Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for joining me today here at Faith Builders. We're so excited for this opportunity to share with you things that God has used to turn our lives around. I want to share with you something that has been so instrumental in victory in my life time after time after time, and that's learning how to make faith adjustments. We're in a new series. This is our second part, and these faith adjustments are vital because we don't want to pretend that we're in faith. We don't want to fake it till we make it. We want to be in faith and have a continual um, application of faith against the situations that we're resisting and to draw to us the promises that we're receiving. We don't want to be in faith one day and two days in doubt and then get back to faith and be up and down and here and there. We want to have a continual application of faith in our life. And so we're finding out that it's possible to make adjustments along the way, to check, to examine. And that's our, our text to, uh, today in this scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. That's our, our primary text in this series. And it says, examine yourselves. The King James says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. So it's possible to think you're in faith and not be in faith, we need to examine ourselves. I'm not examining my husband, not examining my neighbor, not examining my friends and family. I'm examining myself and I'm looking to see, am I in faith? Now the Amplified Bible says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. No, we want to test ourselves and recognize that if there are not faith results, if I'm not seeing the fruit of my faith, it's not because God has failed on his part. God doesn't fail it's because I may not be making that faith connection. So I want to examine and see if I'm holding to my faith, the Amplified says, and if I'm showing the proper fruit of it, and I'm examining to see what I need to change. I'm examining to see what are the areas in my life that I need to make these adjustments, that I need to recognize I've slipped out of faith and I've got over here into mental ascent. I'm over here hoping for it, but I'm not really believing for it. And we are looking for specific symptoms. Now in our, our last session, we talked about the fact that when we have in our heart, the word of God, we're going to hear it in our words because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the words, when, when our hearts are filled with faith, then our words are going to be filled with faith. If our hearts are filled with the problem, our words are going to be filled with the problem. So we can examine our words. We can listen to what we're saying, especially when you're under pressure. And we can determine, wait a minute, I just talked the problem and, and spewed out all of this unbelief, and now I've got to go back to my faith drawing board and get back over here into the, the flow of faith. And so we want to listen to our words and we want to make those adjustments to, if we hear the desperation in our words, in our voice, then we want to go back and fix the contents of the heart. 
what's in my heart in abundance. And so we found out there are some symptoms. We talked about the fact that there will be a confidence in your faith, in your words. You'll hear that confidence, that certainty, because faith is a certainty. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not, I'm believing with this desperate, fearful, timid look on your face. I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing God. No, that is not certain. It's not confident and it's not faith. It's hope, it's desperation, it's mental ascent. It can be any of those things. But if it's faith, faith is going to call those things that be not as though they were. Faith is going to say, I believe God with a smile, with joy, with expectation. So joy is another symptom that we discovered. And I want to go back and read Romans 15, 13. It says, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing, I-N-G, means presently the process or the progress of believing is taking place. I am believing. So when I am believing, joy and peace will be in operation as well. Joy and peace will be present in my my walk of faith because there's joy and peace in believing. So again, one minister made made this uh, little rhyme. The Holy Spirit gave it to him. He said, uh, faith, rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. But doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. And we want to recognize those are symptoms. If I'm complaining, I'm not in faith. If I'm sad about it, I'm not in faith. But if I'm rejoicing, if I am excited about it, if I am thankful to God, I am operating, presently progressing in the believing process. We want to identify, as we look closer at these symptoms, joy and peace, I want to look at specifically peace today, and I'm going to start out by identifying an enemy of peace, which is worry. Carrying care is how the Bible puts it. And worry is something that a lot of believers participate in without any resistance to it. They think it's normal. And as a believer, I want you to know it is not normal for you. As a believer in Christ, worry is not your norm and worry should be contraband to you. You know, if you are are trying to get on an airplane and you're trying to carry on a six inch blade onto that airplane or a gun onto that airplane, they consider that contraband and they are going to cuff you and stuff you as a result of you trying to take something illegal onto that plane. If, if you had, uh, had uh, an illegal substance, they're going to, t- they're going to pat you down. They're going to find it in the search and they're going to say, you should not be in possession of that substance. Worry is an illegal substance for the believer. Believer, believer. (laughs) We're believers, not worriers. Worry should be contraband to us. And when we identify its presence operating in our heart, in our mind, in our emotions, we need to attack it. 
We need to drive that worry out and we need to, to take that care and begin to cast it as we are instructed to in the word. John 14, Jesus said this in verse one, and I'm going to read the amplified here. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it. If Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, it's possible. It is possible. Now you may not be very practiced in this, but you can, you can become skilled in maintaining the peace of your heart. He said, don't let your heart be troubled, distressed, or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in, adhere to, and trust in and rely also on me. That's what we want to practice. We want to practice trust, trusting in him, adhering to him, relying on him, depending on him. If I'm worried, I'm not depending on him. If I'm worried about my situation, if I'm worried about my finances, I'm not depending in my provider. If I'm worried about the salvation of my children, I'm not depending on my savior. So the carrying of care is something we are in control of and we're responsible for. Jesus said this also in John 14, this is verse 27. And again, I'm reading the amplified. He said, peace, I leave with you. My own peace. Jesus said, I leave my own peace. Well, it's in your heart if you're saved. If you are a believer, peace is a fruit of the spirit. It's available in your spirit. He said, this peace that he gives is not, he said, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Now, Amplified says, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. That's not me. That's the scripture. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Stop allowing your heart to be agitated and disturbed. And then the Amplified goes on. Do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly and unsettled. Too many believers are living unsettled lives. They go through their whole day unsettled, disturbed, no quiet, no rest, no peace. They are continually in an uproar. It's, it's like chaos is what they thrive on. I, this saying that used to go around about save the drama for your mama. There's some people who are dramacidal. They, they go through their day looking for what they can stir up to agitate, not for other people, for themselves. They make trouble where there doesn't need to even be trouble because they are so used to living their lives disturbed and agitated. But the scripture in Jesus' own words says, stop it, don't let it. So if he says, don't let it, now listen, I'm telling you what helped me because I used to be that person thriving on, on the worry. And I felt like if I didn't worry, I wasn't loving them enough. I was worried about people and that was, that was an expression of love, I thought. And so this worry was something that I had to recognize. And so when I began seeing scripture tell me, stop it, 
it took a little bit of practice to stop that direction. It's like that freight train's been going so fast in that direction. You got to slow it down and then you've got to change the direction. And that momentum that's behind your worry, you're going to have to take the word of God and you're going to have to cast the care and cast the care and cast the care and cast the care until you're carefree, until you practice everyday living a carefree life. And let me tell you what Luke 21 says, because this is an important, uh, uh, an important piece of this puzzle to understand. In verse 31, Jesus said this. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Surfeiting, drunkenness and the cares of this life so that the day comes upon you unawares. He's saying these things, this surfeiting is like living loose in, in your flesh, giving into your flesh. Uh, and then he says drunkenness. Well, we know drunkenness makes people numb. They don't, they don't know. They're not aware. That's why drunk driving is so dangerous because people aren't aware of what they're doing. They're not aware of their surroundings. They're not clearly seeing. They're not paying the right attention. And he put worry in the same category with this flesh-driven lifestyle and this drunken, uh, desensitized lifestyle because worry will numb you spiritually. Worry, he said, if you are if you are worried with the cares of this life, the day will come upon you unaware. You won't recognize spiritually indicators that you need to be paying attention to. You won't you won't sense the the same the same way the moving of the spirit. You won't sense the promptings of God if you are living your life under the burden of the cares of this life, the cares of this world. Well, those aren't, those aren't sinful to a lot of people, but when you're identifying worry as contraband, you're saying worry to me is off limits. That's like me getting caught with something illegal. I'm a believer. I don't worry. We, that's the, that's the, attitude we need to have based on these three scriptures from the mouth of Jesus. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I'm giving you my peace. So stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. And then he said, take heed to yourself so that with you don't become overcharged with the cares of this life. The Amplified uses overburdened and distressed with the cares of this life. Overburdened, an overburdened Christian, an overburdened, distressed Christian is not in a safe place for their life. They are in a place where the enemy can come in and, and attack them. You know, one of the things that we're offering with this, this teaching is the book that my husband wrote called Refusing the Care. And the Lord told my husband over a situation he was worried about, he said, when you worry, you prop the door open to the devil to bring all kinds of other things into your life. 
It's like you are just, it, that door is open. And, and, you know, if you've got your door propped open, little critters can get in the door. They're going to sneak in little, little animals or whatever coming in. And the, and the enemy wants to bring in little destructions, little things. And how does he get into the believer's life? Well, through worry. Jesus said worry is something that causes you to be overburdened and distressed. The Wiest translation, Kenneth E. Wiest expanded translation says weighed down. The word overcharged in, in that translation is weighed down. Don't let your heart be weighed down with the cares of this life. And that's what the parable of the sower was talking about when he said the uh, deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, and the cares of this life choke out the word. It chokes out the word and the enemy is able to steal and kill and destroy in that person's life because the word's been choked out. So that's what we're identifying. We've got to cast the care. Now, when we look at this instruction of Jesus. He said, take heed to yourselves. I'm still in Luke 21. I'm going to read verse 26, and I'm going to read this one from the Amplified. Luke 21, verse 26 says, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and the expectation of things that are coming on the world. They, what's happening to their heart? What's happening to the condition of their heart? They, their heart. Any time that Jesus used the heart in his teaching, he was always talking about the spirit of man. Jesus never in his teaching used the word heart to refer to the physical heart of man. And so he's. we often look at these verses and say they had a heart attack because of the things that they were looking at, the things that they were expecting to come on the world. They had a heart attack, like, you know, Stanford and son. He was holding his heart. He was always faking to have a heart attack. That, that can be an application, but if we go with this rule that Jesus always talked about the spirit of man, he said the spirit of man will not work correctly. Or you could say this, the, the spirit of man is not going to produce the application of faith. Why? Because of what they're expecting, what they're looking at, what they're dreading. It hasn't happened, but they're dreading it. It hasn't happened, but they're worried about it. And so that worry chokes out the word. And that's what Mark chapter four, when it talks about the parable of the sower, it says the cares and the anxieties of the world, the Amplified says, they creep in and choke out and suffocate the word. Matthew 13, it says the, uh, the cares of this world choke and suffocate the world and word and it yields no fruit. Luke 18 says that the anxieties and cares will uh, um, choke and suffocate so that the fruit does not ripen to perfection. The instruction that we want to get from this is that care is off limits to us. When, when we talk about the care of this world, we're talking about 
the care of the things that other people, it's just natural things that they're dealing with, but they're allowing their spirits to become overburdened and distressed and disquieted and continually in this worry mode. And that's what we want to recognize. You know, I was reading the book by Brother Hagen, and he talked about his own personal walk of faith. And he was talking about how God taught him in the very beginning, he was still bedridden. You know, Brother Kenneth e. Hagen, he wrote the book. There's, there's a book I encourage you that will go along this line. It's called Casting Your Cares on the Lord. Casting Your Cares on the Lord. And in this book, he was uh, in bed because his, he had a heart condition. He had paralysis from the waist down. Sometimes the blood condition that he was dealing with would cause him to go blind for parts of the day. He could only see early in the morning. His mother was propping a Bible up and he was trying to read through the New Testament because the doctors had told him there's absolutely no hope for you to live through this. You're going to die before you're 16. And so he's there bedridden and he's reading through the New Testament and he comes to Matthew chapter six. And then Matthew chapter six is where it says, take no thought for your life. And he said, what? He had made this commitment. God, if I see it in your word, I will do whatever I see in your word. And he comes to this, it says, take no thought for your life. He said, Lord, every day my heart stops. How can I not worry about my life? And he, he, when his heart would stop, he'd reach back and grab the, the post of his bed and, and try to try to hold on to his life. He had done that so much that the varnish was rubbed off the post of his bed. He, he, was, he said, I worried about my life because my heart would stop three or four or five, six times a day. And I came to this scripture and he said, I quit reading the Bible. I thought I can't do that. And he finally came back to it and submitted and said, God, I will. He got, he, he was born again. He, he said, I commit that I won't worry about my life. And he said, that was the thing that when he came to the teaching on faith in Mark 11, he was able to work it, that God had to teach him how not to worry first before he got to the teaching in Mark 11 about how to believe him. And he said, that was the indicator. I want to go into it more in the next week. But listen, this, he, he received his healing and went on to minister around the world. But he never worried from that day forward. His wife would get angry at him in the beginning of their marriage until she learned not to worry. She said, you won't worry about anything. We've got to become worry-free, carefree people so that our faith can work correctly. We're making faith adjustments. You need this series. You need to go back and watch last week. You need to tune in and watch next week because we're going to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Examine yourself and see if you be in faith. The Bible instructs us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to make this faith examination. When we begin to walk by faith, there are some indicators that reveal whether our faith is accurately working or not. Because faith is a spiritual force, we need to identify when we are applying our faith accurately. The Bible gives us some specific things to look for and shows us some adjustments that we can make to be sure we are in faith. In this six-part teaching, Faith Adjustments, 
we discover the symptoms or indicators of faith and learn how to make the necessary adjustments so we can stay on track in our walk of faith. You'll learn how to identify faith when it is working, the two main symptoms that accompany faith, what is the energy supplied to our faith, and much more. This insightful six-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $20. In addition, we're offering Philip Steele's book, Refusing the Care, for a special price of $15. The Lord spoke to Pastor Steele about the dangers of worry, telling him worry will prop the door open to the enemy to come into your life and bring all sorts of destruction. Refusing the care will give you courage to resist every form of worry and anxiety. The six-part series, Faith Adjustments, and the companion book, Refusing the Care, are working together to help you operate your faith more effectively. Call the number on your screen now or go to buildfaith.net to order. Call or go online now. I want to express my gratitude to all of those who partner with this ministry. Thank you for being a vital part of what the Lord is doing in this ministry. At Faith Builders International, we are entering our 25th year. We've been broadcasting this program since 2010, over 12 years. During that time, we've received multiple testimonies of people who have been changed by the Word of God through this program. Our partners will receive the same reward that we receive from the part they played in helping us preach the gospel. King David established a precedent in 1 Samuel 30, verse 24, when he said, as his part is that goes down to battle, so shall his part be that tarried by the stuff. They shall part alike. A group of his soldiers had stopped the pursuit and not joined in the battle. But because they stayed with the supplies, the rest of the soldiers were able to ride faster and catch the enemy. David said they receive an equal share of the reward. And that's true about you. You receive the same reward. I want to pray for you. Lord, I ask you to minister to my partners out of the abundant overflow of your goodness and your blessing. Lord, for every time that they have sacrificed, that they have lovingly sowed into this ministry, let this be something, Father, that causes a memorial to come up before you and let the abundant supply of their harvest meet every need in the name of Jesus. We welcome you to join us too and become a partner of Faith Builders. Together, we will continue to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. Faith Builders International is a family church with a vision to build people's faith. Jesus told His disciples they would be witnesses of Him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So we are building faith, city, state, nation, and world. Our congregation in DeSoto, Kansas meets at 8390 Peoria, and in Little Rock, Arkansas, we meet at 10500 West Markham Street. We have ministry for the children and youth, and special events focused on men's and women's ministry. We invite you to join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10 and 6. We look forward to meeting you. 
Visit buildfaith.net for more information.